Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I'm recording this following the slap heard around the world. Will Smith slaps Chris Rock during the Academy Awards. Good Lord, what is going on? Uh, I'm not here to talk about that. I just thought I'd lead off with it because it's a real-world thing that's funny. Um... But we're going to talk about the Nuggets. We're going to talk about playoff scenarios today. And, uh, shit. <laughs> like, would it be funny if I just completely diverted for a segment and talked about my my favorite Academy Award picks and things like that? Um, I, I watched Dune. I, I watched a variety of others. But uh, I'm, I'm not qualified for that. But maybe I should. Maybe I should uh, try to get into some more, uh, not diverse topics, but just different topics for this Strictly Nuggets podcast. But either way, I want to talk about the playoffs. I want to talk about playoff scenarios for the Nuggets. And the best way that I found that I can do that is by starting with the standings, talking about where each team is with six to eight games left to go. Most teams have seven games left to go. Minnesota has six. LA Lakers and San Antonio Spurs have eight. And I want to talk about the full playoff field in the first segment. And then in the second segment, I'm going to go nugget specific, talk about where I think they will finish. And third segment, we're going to go through some projected playoff matchups and what we think the playoff race is going to look like, because I think that should be very fascinating. But either way, let's, and I, that's, that's now my new buzzword, apparently, either way, uh, catching myself right up front. Let's talk about the West playoff field. Let's just go through the standings here real quick. Phoenix has clinched the top seed. They are 61-14 and 14 with seven games left to go. Memphis has a full four-game lead over the Golden State Warriors with seven games to go. Honestly, I think that Memphis could probably rest everybody from here on out, and Golden State still would not be able to catch them. Because Golden State is without Steph Curry, and they have been in freefall ever since uh, Curry went out, basically. Golden State is trending down. They're at 48 and 27. They only have a two game lead over the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm pretty sure that Dallas has the tiebreaker over them head to head. So there is a distinct possibility that Golden State drops to four. And Dallas moves up to three. And if that's the case, then if you're a Nuggets fan, like I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now, you would want to stay in the sixth seed. Not because you're like less scared of Dallas and Luka than you are of Golden State and Steph. But if you're Denver and you can put Golden State 
and Phoenix in the same side of the bracket, there is a very distinct possibility that those two teams take each other out. And Golden State, if they're healthy, probably has the best case in the West for taking out the Phoenix Suns. They have the personnel, they have the firepower, they have the pick-and-roll duo, they have the off-ball movement. There's a lot to like about that matchup. And then if you're Denver, like you don't want to deal with Phoenix at all. Obviously, Denver's still trying to figure out how to avoid the play-in tournament, but if you're thinking down the line, and if you hope to get back, I don't know, Murray or Porter, or one, one of those two guys, then you want all the help that you can get in the standings. And if you can get some help, that is pretty helpful. Golden State has games left against at Memphis versus the Suns versus the Jazz at the Kings versus the Lakers at the Spurs at the Pelicans. There aren't really any gimmies there except for Sacramento, and you're not going to have Steph Curry for any of them in all likelihood. They also just lost to Washington who Denver destroyed. So it's not like, like, I mean, Golden State could be in freefall here. They have a three-game lead over the Jazz. I didn't check that tiebreaker. Let me actually check that tiebreaker now uh, because I think it is important. Um, No, I'll, I'll save it for a different day. But basically, Golden State is in range not just for like not just for Utah and Dallas but their outside chance of being in range of Denver too where if Golden State let's say they go 2 and 5 over the course of those games so those were some tough games and all of those teams are going to be competing like LA uh, the Lakers the Spurs and the Pelicans are all going to be in this play in tournament race which I will get to shortly if Golden State goes 2-5, and five, they would finish 50-32. and 32. The Nuggets, if they go 6-1, and one, they finish at 50-32. and 32. And they'd likely, in that case, beat out Utah for the division tiebreaker. So they would be ahead of Golden State. They actually have a head-to-head tiebreaker over Golden State anyway. So I don't I don't know folks like there's it's not completely set in stone that the Nuggets are going to be at 6. They might drop to 7, they might move up to 5 or 4. But I do think that because of everything that's gone on today in like around the NBA with the standings where they are right now, I just thought that this was a very interesting topic that we had to cover. So Denver goes 6 and 1, finishes with 50 wins. They might move ahead of Golden State, which would be insane. Now, Dallas, they just took over the four seed. They beat Utah today. Utah, they they were resting Rudy Gobert, basically. And it feels like Utah is trying to drop, like they're trying to tank out of this matchup. But I do think that if Dallas is at 46 and 29, they don't have any gimmies either on their schedule, but it's definitely an easier schedule. And they have Luka healthy. So do I think that Denver can overtake Dallas, who's at 46 and 29, which is two games ahead of them, and Denver still needs to pass them in the standings? I don't think so. But I do think that because of the Golden State thing, there's there's just a lot of changes that are going to happen to the standings over the course of these next couple. 
And there's there's some weird stuff that's going on with all of these teams where they could go all different directions. Utah, like I said, are they trying to tank to the sixth seed to get away from Phoenix and Dallas? They're doing a great job. They've lost four in a row. And with Gobert being out, Bogdanovich has been out for a while. I don't know what Utah's going to do. I think there's a very strong case to be made that they're trying to get to the six, or at least they're very concerned about Rudy Gobert's health. But they've been, they were without a center today against the Dallas Mavericks. That really ruined their game. And I just think that they've got games like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Warriors, Memphis, OKC, Phoenix, Portland. That's a much easier schedule in general. So I don't think they're going to be able to. I don't think they are going to be able to tank out and drop below Denver, but I don't know. We're going to see. We're going to see. I'm going to skip Denver here. Um, go straight to Minnesota. Minnesota has games against, like, at Toronto on the 30th. Then a couple days after, they play Denver. Then they go on the uh, they play at Houston. And then they go home and they play three home games against Washington, San Antonio, and Chicago. So given the Minnesotas have 43 wins, if they win out, that means that they have 49. It means that Denver would have lost a game and, and Denver would need to go 6-1 and one in order to outpace Minnesota. It would be hard to do uh, for both of those teams, for Denver and Minnesota to play that well. I assume that there's going to be some slippage on both sides. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota goes on a run. And if they can just get that win in Toronto, and if they get that win against Denver, then things get really, really interesting for the play-in tournament, especially if Golden State just starts to slide here randomly. That would be that would be very, very fascinating. The Clippers are basically locked into the eight seed. They have nobody near them. They can't lose enough games to go drop to the nine. And they're basically out of contention for the seven. So they're basically locked into the eight seed. And the final question, how does the the play-in tournament shake out here? Because you've got three teams that are now within a game and a half of each other. The Pelicans have 32 wins. The Lakers have 31 wins. And the Spurs have 30 wins. They're each within a game of each other in the loss column too. So I'm very curious to see which of those teams makes it up to the plan and which of those teams is left on the sidelines. Right now it's San Antonio at 30 and 44, but the Lakers, they don't have the tiebreaker against San Antonio. San Antonio has the tiebreaker on them and they're only one game back. So they can make up one game and Denver plays the Lakers twice and the Spurs once. So it would be pretty funny if the if the Nuggets just went hard against the Lakers and then they rested against the Spurs to try to keep the Lakers out of the play-in tournament. That would be really entertaining for me. But it does just seem like the standings are not yet set. Everything is still fluid. Everything is still moving every which way. And I am very curious to see how it shakes out. Because if Denver goes up, then they might find themselves into a situation where they have to play 
like what Golden State as the five seed and then Denver's the four seed if Utah successfully tanks or if Denver, let's say they stay at the six seed, Golden State moves down to the four or the five, Dallas moves up to the three. That means you're playing Dallas in the first round. And at that point, you feel okay about playing Dallas in the one or in the first round, Memphis in the second round if they move past Minnesota, which seems likely. I'm not sure. Like, I, I think that if you're Denver, that would be a preferable route given what Golden State could do to Phoenix. But you never know. You never know where this goes. So, either way, let's take a break. I did it again. Good God, I did it again. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss Denver's remaining schedule and where Denver could potentially get some rest along the way. We will be right back. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. College basketball fans, you can join in on the action during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. The final four has been set, and we have a very interesting matchup between Duke and North Carolina. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first time under Coach K that they will be meeting in the tournament as many times as they've met in the ACC over the course of 30-odd years. Now, they're playing against each other in Coach K's final season, and you can bet on all of the action over a DraftKings Sportsbook, and you turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It's that simple. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet $5 on any college hoops team and get $200 in free bets if they win. If they win, you win with promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Back at it, pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you can, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, Five Stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. All right, let's get into Denver's schedule here. Not going to be a super long segment on this one because, look, it's seven games. They're either going to win them or they're going to lose them. Uh... There are a variety of scenarios that Denver could go through based off of all of these outcomes, but it basically comes down to if they win or lose the Minnesota game and however many wins they add on top of that in the other six games. Everything else is gravy. It's not going to matter when or how, but there is something to trying to pick up those wins early and then 
potentially pushing Minnesota out of the race early so that you can get some rest in those final couple games of the season. That would be great if you're Denver. Like Denver hasn't been able to rest all year. Think about what Nikola Jokic just had to do, how tired he looks sometimes. Might not be a bad idea to, well, if you could play him like 15, 20 minutes in a game, that'd be fantastic. I would personally sit him, but he's never really been a fan of sitting before, so I don't know how serious that actually is. But right now, Denver's magic number is six with seven games to go. As I mentioned in the previous podcast, uh, I think I had it wrong in the previous podcast, but this is basically the combined number of wins that Denver needs plus the losses that Minnesota accumulates. Between now and the end of the season, that will guarantee that the Nuggets outpace them for a Western Conference playoff spot, a top six seed to stay out of the play-in. Minnesota, the most wins that they can accumulate between now and the end of the season is 49. If they drop a game and that'll help Denver's magic number total, but let's say it sticks at 49. Let's say they go undefeated. That means that Denver needs six wins in order to outpace them. Denver needs to be at 50 because Minnesota got to 49. So, because those two teams play each other, it kind of switches things up from a magic number perspective. If Denver beats Minnesota, then it has a double whammy effect. If Denver loses to Minnesota, it kind of is a single whammy because they were ahead. They still have to stay ahead, but they kind of lose their own advantage if that's what happens. Right now, if Denver wins that April 1st game against Minnesota, their magic number would drop from six to four, which means that Denver needs wins in four out of the six other games if they get that one. So if you win against Charlotte, if you win against Indiana, early in the schedule, then you set yourself up in a good place. If you lose either one of those two games, or both of them, then you're in a pretty bad place. Because then you have to make up some some serious ground, and the Minnesota game becomes a must-win. Right now, it really is a must-win for all intents and purposes. But if you're Denver, you gotta just take care of business. That's just how I see it. So here are those games once again. At Charlotte, Charlotte's 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They did just play on Sunday today. So Denver's going to be on the second night of a back-to-back, or not, uh, Charlotte's going to be on the second night of a back-to-back against Denver. So maybe Denver doesn't get their best punch. But we've seen the Nuggets falter against teams that should have been tired because Denver's tired themselves. But Denver should be in a pretty good position to win that game as long as they're serious about it. Indiana, same thing. Indiana's 3-7 and in their last 10 games. That should be a game that Denver wins. Minnesota, that game's like, it's independent. I hope that Denver wins that game. I think that they will. But it could go either way. Minnesota's a very good team, as we've been well aware of for a long time. And then Denver has their final four. At the Lakers, who are 3-7 and in their last 10 versus San Antonio, 
who's six and four, and versus Memphis, who's eight and two, and then a final game against the Lakers, once again three and seven in their last ten. Memphis at the end should be resting. I would be shocked if they played serious guy like serious minutes in that game. Be shocked. They already don't have John Morant between now and the end of the regular season. I think that was announced. And I would be shocked if they didn't sit Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams and guys like that. But here, let's go through the best worst case and realistic scenarios for Denver. Here's the worst case scenario. If Denver loses their next two games and then loses to Minnesota, then they will be behind Minnesota almost like definitely, certainly, in the play-in race. Then Denver would have to fight to get back out of the play-in. They can't really rest anybody during that time, and if they fail, they get caught in the play-in. And the Clippers apparently could have Paul George coming back pretty soon. Paul George has been cleared to practice with the team, from what I understand. And it's very possible that he returns. So Denver would have a one-way ticket to a play-in game against the Clippers and Ty Lue. And they're adding Paul George to that equation. That's a pretty scary place. And though Denver should be able to still win it, still not something that I would be super excited about if I were the Nuggets. Because if you lose that game, then you play the Lakers on your home floor or another equivalent team at the end of the at the end of all this. And then it's a winner-go-home scenario. So do I think that Denver's going to get to that place? No, I don't. But I also think it would suck if they went out in that regard. And if Murray and MPJ never were able to get back on the floor, I think that's one of the, the negative things in all of this. My own personal hope is that those guys are able to play. I know some people are hoping that they get shut down because it's just not worth it for them to come back this year. I'm not sure if I subscribe to that. Like, I do think that if they're not ready, then they shouldn't come back. Like, that's that's guaranteed, like 100%. Take that to the bank. But if they are ready to come back, then you try to get them 10 to 15 minutes, get them accustomed to playing basketball again, and they can take some confidence into the offseason whenever that occurs. And then you hopefully get up and running next season. But I don't think you change the timeline just because it's at the end of the season. Look, if they're ready to come back, then they should come back. That's my opinion. But that's worst case scenarios that they aren't able to. Best case scenario is that Denver wins the next two games and then wins versus Minnesota, basically locking up a top six seed and reducing their magic number to at most two which basically means that they can rest guys down the stretch and feel pretty good about it. That would involve Toronto beating Minnesota a couple days before Denver. And then it would also involve Denver winning versus LA to clinch that seed. But at that point, if that does happen, then you can rest guys during the final week of the season. You don't have to worry about getting guys rest when you have to win those games in order to stay out of the play You could do both. And then if the Murray and or MPJ factor 
if if they both come back or one of them comes back, that would be a great thing in my mind. You return them to the lineup, have them get their feet wet, give them a week off between when they come back and, and when the playoffs get up and running. And then maybe you, you have some extra weaponry entering the playoffs. Because, like I said, if Golden State drops to the four seed or the five seed or somewhere around there, if they drop and Dallas moves up, which isn't, it would not be a surprise at this point based off of how those teams are going and where they have left to play over the course of this next seven games. If Dallas and Golden State flip, then you're playing Luka in the first round and it's tough and you've got to work through it. And you've got to be precise on Luka, but you can win that series and you could probably play Murray and or MPJ for brief some brief amounts of time during that series and see how they factor in too. And then you move into a series against Memphis in the second round if you're able to win the first round series. And you don't have to wait to play like you don't have to play Phoenix or Golden State if you're lucky enough until a conference finals. That would be spectacular. That would be the best case scenario because it gives the the maximum amount of pushing Phoenix prior to a potential series with them. That would be the best thing for Denver. Now, the most realistic scenario is somewhere in between all that. Denver and Minnesota, they probably lose prior to their matchup against each other, or Denver probably loses against Charlotte. When you're listening to this podcast, it'll be a 5.30 game, relatively early start in the evening against the Charlotte Hornets, and you're probably thinking, okay, well, Charlotte's a really good team. Denver looks ahead on their schedule and they get caught. Minnesota looks ahead to Denver on their schedule and gets caught too against Toronto. And so those guys still going into that matchup against each other with a whole bunch to play for. Denver beats Minnesota at home or or probably. And you're still basically confirming yourself as a top six seed, but Minnesota, they're not going to go down without a fight. They push you the rest of the way. Denver can maybe rest in one of the final one or two games, but for the most part, Denver has to push just to get to the top six. And Denver's in a top six seed by the time the playoffs start. That would be great. And then I think you probably get an MPJ or a Murray update from one of Woj or Singer sometime this week. I'm not going to go digging for it. I'm not going to try. I shared my info and looked like an idiot in the process because I shared it before Murray ultimately had his practices down in Grand Rapids. And I, I guess that there may have been something that changed when he was down there. Or maybe it didn't change. Or maybe I just got ahead of everything altogether. But I thought that Denver would have those guys back by, let's say, April 5th. And it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But you never know. Something or other might change. Or at least there's a 
certain update, and then you figure it out. And you at least have a little bit more clarity heading into April. That's what I would guess happens, but it's not a certainty. But either way, you head into the playoffs as a six seed. You see what happens ahead of you. No matter who plays ahead of you in that three seed, it's going to be a tough matchup. And then Denver's pushed in the first round. Maybe they win a round, but they probably falter. That's sort of what I think is the most realistic thing. But tell you what, let's talk about the playoff scenarios and the projected playoff matchups in the next segment when we come back. Pickaxe and Roll final segment. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, let's wrap up here quickly, about eight to ten minutes on projected playoff matchups and what we're thinking that we're going to see in the Western Conference. Right now, I have Denver still projected at the sixth seed. I think it's tough to say that Golden State is going to drop too terribly far, but I do think it's a possibility that they drop to four, and I think it's a possibility that Dallas moves up to three. I think if I were projecting something, that's what I would look at. But here's what I'm looking at for projected playoff matchups for the play-in games. I'm still thinking that it's the Clippers and the T-Wolves in that first play-in matchup, the Clippers at the T-Wolves. I think you're probably getting a Minnesota win in that one, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if the Clippers went in there as well-coached as they are and had a great game plan, potentially with Paul George in tow, matching up against Carl Anthony Towns and the Minnesota Timberwolves. But let's just say that Minnesota wins. Let's say that the Lakers and the Pelicans play in the play-in game, and that the Lakers just outpace the San Antonio Spurs as, as hard as the, the Spurs were surely going to try to get into this play-in tournament. The Lakers just outpace them. And they have to go on the road to New Orleans and have a play-in matchup against the team that traded Anthony Davis to them for Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and a whole slew of picks. That was always fun. That's a, a matchup that is definitely, there's no love lost between those two teams. And it would be hilarious if the Pelicans won it. And I think that they're going to. So you've got the Pelicans matching up with the Clippers. Tough matchup both ways. But I do think the Clippers, being the more veteran team, being a team that understands uh, what it takes in situations like that a little bit more than the Pelicans do, I think the Clippers probably take that and they move on as the eight seed. So you're still going to have Minnesota at the seven and the Clippers at the eight which means that your first-round matchups are Phoenix versus the Clippers, Memphis versus Minnesota, Dallas versus Denver, who I have moved ahead of Golden State. Golden State is at four, and they play Utah at five. What a fascinating matchup those would all be. 
Phoenix versus the Clippers is very interesting because if you've got Paul George coming back, then it's clear that the Clippers are a better than usual eighth seed. And you never know whether Kawhi Leonard comes back or anything like that. I don't think he's been ruled out or anything. But if he comes back and Paul George comes back, then you've got the Suns trying to figure out, okay, well, this is a team that we haven't seen all year. How do we match up with this team? What is the best way to do it? And I do think the Clippers have one of the best chances in the in the division, not the division, the conference, and knocking the Suns out. They probably have the second best odds behind the Warriors to do such a thing. But I do think that the Suns ultimately advance, despite it being a little bit more congested and contested than normal. So you've got the Suns moving on. Memphis and Minnesota, that is interesting too. Uh, Both of those teams are young. They're fighting. You've got John Morant versus Anthony Edwards. You've got Jaron Jackson versus Carl Anthony Towns. Some very interesting matchups between young stars. You've also got Steven Adams in there who would be very physical against Cat. Probably can't run out to contest some of those shots though, which means that you probably have Jaron Jackson defending Cat a lot of the time. And you've got Steven Adams defending Jared Vanderbilt. I do think that would neutralize Jared Vanderbilt a little bit. And I'm just not sure that I'm just not sure that Patrick Beverly is going to be able to match up with John Morant. I think that Desmond Bain, I think that Dylan Brooks, J- uh, D'Anthony Melton, Zaire Williams, those guys could give the Minnesota guys enough trouble that I think the Memphis would ultimately move on in that series. But it wouldn't surprise me if Cat went off for 40 or if Anthony Edwards went off for a big total at some point, D'Angelo Russell went off for a big total, and that they won a couple of games. But I do think that Memphis would move on. Now, Dallas versus Denver is a really interesting matchup. You've got Denver, who has had troubles with Dallas in the past. But honestly, the thing that they have the most trouble with is when Dallas is running pick and pop with Kristaps Porzingis. When he gets to stop at the elbow and drills about 60% of his elbow jumpers. Or if he's running pick and pop with Luka from about 30 feet away, Jokic has to cover too much ground in that case and it makes things a little bit more difficult. Now you've got Dwight Powell and you've got Maxi Kleba. And I'm just not sure that that's enough. Like Maxi's not a good enough shooter to burn Jokic in my in my mind. And Dwight Powell, despite him being efficient and a very effective rim runner, I think that Denver can get away with some drop and they can get away with some uh, hedging in that situation. Mixing and matching enough things to make things difficult for Luka. And you've got Aaron Gordon, who's one of the better Luka defenders out there. Now, he is like the only one, and if he draws a whole bunch of fouls, that can make things difficult. But I do think that if you're Denver, you have a serious chance of upsetting Dallas in that. So I do think that Denver has the advantage in that, and I'm going to say that they advance, just for for posterity's sake. And then you've got Golden State versus Utah at the four 
and the five matchup. And I'm just going to assume that Golden State gets back Steph Curry. They have Draymond Green. He would be a just a menace against Utah's scheme, where they try to run everybody into the ground, and they try to space out everything for three. Draymond would close all of that down, and he would be able to downsize against a guy like Rudy Gobert, and Gobert wouldn't be able to do a whole heck of a lot on him anyway. I think that Golden State takes that matchup, and I think that Utah would be burning it to the ground if that ultimately happened. So you've got a second-round matchups of Phoenix versus Golden State and Memphis versus Denver. That's if Denver survives against Luka and Dallas, which is not a guarantee, may not even be a likelihood. But I do trust Nikola Jokic, and I trust him in that matchup. Now let's start with Phoenix and Golden State. What a matchup that would be, right? Like you've got Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole versus Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Mikhail Bridges. You've got Andrew Wiggins and Cameron Payne and one of the best things about, and Cam Johnson, by the way, uh, one of the best things that you have about Phoenix is that they've got just these insane matchups that they can go to. And with Devin Booker, you know that he's going to be able to score against anybody. That's not going to be an issue. But if there's a team that he might struggle with, it's the length and athleticism on the Golden State Warriors, along with a guy like Gary Payton II, who I think would be just a real, it would be a real shitty time to be matched up with a guy like that. Now, Phoenix would be able to pick on him and maybe not guard him defensively or anything like that. That could be a big issue. But these matchups between Phoenix and Golden State would be probably 100 to 98 kind of games, 95 to 93 kind of games. That would be my first instinct. And it's just about which team can create the more efficient looks, which team can make those efficient looks as much as they need to. Two best teams in the conference, probably. And I'd probably pick Phoenix. But it's really tough. It's really tough if you're giving me healthy Golden State. If you're giving me a healthy Steph Curry at that point. Because he would not be... Like, who's chasing him around? Is Chris Paul chasing him around the entire series? Is Mikhail Bridges? Mikhail is a very, very great defender. But I don't think that that's his best skill. I really don't. They'd be switching a whole heck of a lot, and I'm not sure if, like, if you can switch against the Warriors and do it reasonably well, then maybe that's fine. But it would just be very, very tight. So I have Phoenix advancing. They've got Memphis versus Denver. Now, this is an interesting one because Matt Moore has told me the entire year, just look at their half-court offense. Look at their half-court offense. I don't think that Memphis would struggle to score against Denver in the half court. I don't think that Denver would struggle to score against Memphis in the half court. Unlike Phoenix and Golden State, this feels like a series that would go pretty high in terms of their point totals. Now, would I give Memphis the edge in this one? Definitely. Definitely. They've proven themselves. They're very good. They get out in transition. They capitalize on turnovers. And Denver's been turning over the hell out of the ball. 
but I still think that Denver can win that series. If you get back some semblance of Murray or Porter, then you might be able to advance. I think you could talk yourself into it. Jokic solves Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams at various points. Gets to his efficient spots, shoots the ball efficiently, creates offense for Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green off ball. Monte Morris and Will Barton hit their open mid-range shots, hit the kickout shots. Bones Highland takes advantage of his opportunity. Now, would DeAnthony Melton really bother Bones Highland? Yes. Would Dylan Brooks really bother Bones Highland? Yes. So I think that there would be some very interesting matchups going on. And if I were to pick a team, it would be Memphis. Like So keep that in mind. I'm not trying to be fully biased here, but hypothetically, let's say Denver does advance by some miracle. Then you've got a conference finals of Denver versus Phoenix. And Phoenix has just had to go through two series against the Clippers and against the Warriors. If the Clippers have some of their guys back, whether it's Paul George or I don't know if if Kawhi Leonard even comes back, then that would be tough. And then Golden State is probably the second toughest team in the NBA behind Phoenix. So you're making Phoenix work. So can you catch them after a long playoff run? And can you catch them kind of slacking on their execution? I think the answer is no. I don't see a scenario where Denver beats Phoenix. I've talked about this before. Even if Murray or Porter were to come back and be healthy, we just saw Denver score 130 points. They had as as great of an offensive game as they've had in a long time. And they still lost by 10 because they could not stop the Suns. I don't think that that changes if Murray or Porter come back. Now, you might be able to change up some matchups here or there. Like maybe Murray is in there and you have him defending Devin Booker. And it's like, or you have him defending Mikhail Bridges. And then you have Austin Rivers in the game down the stretch and he's defending Devin Booker. Or you have Chris Paul. uh, You have some, some general size that you can run a pick and roll against him. You have Aaron Gordon switch on to him at times. There are things that Denver could do if they had more options. I'm not arguing that. But I do think that if, if you're expecting Denver to beat Phoenix, then you're crazy. Like, just, just insane. They have earned my respect. They've earned the entire NBA's respect. They are clearly the best team in the NBA. And if they get to the conference finals at that point, They're going to be very hungry. I think Denver would be hungry too, but I'd be shocked if Denver won that. Now, if Memphis were to advance, I do like some of the things that Memphis can do against Phoenix. I think that they can switch reasonably well one through five, and that as long as John Morant continues to put up good effort and isn't taken advantage of, then they can do a reasonable job with Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain. Not Zaire Williams, but Jaron Jackson, DeAnthony Melton. They have a lot of good, solid, elite defenders at their positions that could make things difficult for Phoenix. But I think it's just going to be difficult and not impossible. And I think that Phoenix is probably 
if you don't have them coming out of the Western Conference, I think you're insane or you're biased at this point. I very much doubt that Golden State will take them down. I don't think that the healthy Clippers could take them down. I don't even think that the healthy Nuggets could take them down right now. That's too bad because I would really love to stick it to various Phoenix people. If they were being taken down by a team that just had their healthy guys for like a couple games. But we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see what happens this year. If Denver can get to that point, then great. It would be a very successful season if they were to advance. Even if they were to win one playoff series, that would be four straight years of advancing to at least the second round. And it's not like there are the the 2010, 20, or 2008 Atlanta Hawks where that's all they go. Like they went to the conference finals in the bubble. And they'd have the potential to do it again. But I do think that they need the reinforcements. I do think that if they don't get that, they're probably falling short in terms of overall firepower. But let's just see what happens when it does. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back after the Charlotte game on Monday evening, early evening. Probably going to go to the bar on that one. I might have a special guest after this next game. So keep an eye out for that on Monday night. But until then, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys very soon.